This episode of Going Forward is brought to you by Optimizer, an award-winning PPC management tool used by advertisers worldwide. Save time and boost the performance of your PPC campaigns on Facebook, Amazon, and Google, or Microsoft. Get a 14-day free trial at optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. You're listening to The Adcast with your host, Eric Elliott. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, I have uh, a genius on the line today with me, a genius, a creator. Uh, and we're going to have some great topics today, uh, great topics of discussion today uh, when it comes to marketing. Uh, I have Mr. Alex Makarski with me today. And some of you guys around the world may know him. If not, you've heard of his products, you've heard of his companies. Um, but I want to give Alex that opportunity to kind of tell people exactly who he is what he does, and then we're going to go right into it, Alex. Well, we just, I'm just going to get into an argument with you right away. I'm not a genius. <laughs> I'm just too dumb to quit. Too dumb to quit. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> I like that. So too, too dumb to quit. I think any of us who are in marketing, man, we're crazy. We're out of our minds, man. Yeah, especially totally. with the way, that, especially with the way things are turning out today, you know? Um, you, you have kind of a, a unique, interesting turn because a lot of people, they say they stumble, uh, you know, into marketing, but I mean, you were an engineer and then you kind of turned into marketing, uh, and then you ended up finding, you know, clickmakers.io. So tell, tell me a little bit about clickmakers. Well, the inception story is probably something I need to dive a little bit into. So yes, I was an engineer. I had a successful career in in the software space, I had clients like McDonald's, Brooklyn Gamble, Siemens, Colgate. Mm-hmm. We built some information marketing systems for those big companies, like databases. Before there was mm-hmm. a term big data, we were already building something along mm-hmm. the lines of big data analysis, and that kind of stuff. It's, it's just crazy how things come around and like resemble what you used to do 20 years ago. Like we do the similar kind of thing in marketing now. But yeah, anyway. It's history, so- it's- History repeats itself, Alex. It not necessarily repeats itself, but it certainly rhymes. Like there's a lot of similarities. Um, and um, after I quit my job, I bumbled around. I thought I was going to be a consultant to small businesses, so I started studying marketing books mm-hmm. um, and failed miserably. I remortgaged my house twice, like in that period they call the dark ages. Um, mm-hmm. But somewhere in there, I co-founded the local business with a friend of mine. Um, we were having beers and he's, he's quite a bit younger than me. So college was more recent for him than me. He's yeah. like, well, when I was in college, like I would make a few hundred dollars like in, in an evening by, you know, just placing an ad on Craigslist and hanging a couple of TVs for people. And that, that's mm. when flat screen TVs have appeared, right? Yeah. And he goes, <laughs> like, do, do you think this can be a business? I'm like, I have no idea, but I have this a uh, hundred bucks from Google like free to free $100 for to run the ads. I'll build a page. I'll run some ads. We'll see if we can break even. We broke in the first week. We made the profit the first month. We remained profitable for the entire duration of that business as, as we were in it. Um, and it was, uh, was pretty much turnkey. Like I, I spent a bunch of time building pages, writing content, doing SEO, conversion tracking, call tracking, you know, the, the whole nine yards. Like I basically wow. built the whole thing. And, uh, we were the only people who doing it at any level of sophistication. That was that market did not exist. You know, then a bunch of other guys started copying us. But basically, my job was lead gen, uh, generating leads, making uh, phones ring, 
And uh, my partner's job was uh, scheduling, you know, the guys driving around the city with screwdrivers and, you know, drilling holes in people's walls and putting TVs up on the wall. Um, wow. And while I was trying to build other things, so I had this little thing going on the side. And in some months, that was the only income I had, you know, was coming from this. Like I would lose money yeah. on some MLM deals or affiliate marketing deals or some other, you know, crazy stuff that I would try. But this thing would just, you know, that would be, you know, car payment. Some months so that would be mortgage payment. And I didn't have to do anything with it that month. It just kept, you know, generating leads and producing income. So long story short, um, after a few years, we sold it to one of our workers. Uh, um, we had the residential division and the um, commercial division. So my right. former business partner bought me out from the commercial part of the business. And we sold residential to one of our guys. And mm -hmm. we're still all friends. We invest in real estate together. We're still like everyone's happy about that transaction years later, which was just pretty amazing. Um, so meanwhile, I had a client in the in the Silicon Valley that was uh, um, was a software startup, a bunch of propeller head developers, you know, super smart guys. Me doing marketing, I was their marketing department as a contractor, um, and the CEO doing sales. That was, that was the start. They got Series A funded. They were looking for Series B. Uh, they were in the cloud computing space with clients like Netflix and Cisco and pretty, mm. really interesting software. But yeah. the, the marketing department was this guy right here, right? Wow. So they were looking for Series B. Um, instead of finding an investor to find a buyer, uh, so a company called Brocade uh, uh, buys them. They were a $2 billion company each time. So big company buys the little company. Everyone gets a big bonus. I get fired because I was a contractor. And, uh, and, and by the way, that's a recurring theme with my agency as well. Like we get fired a bunch of times like, because we help clients get to point B, A to point B. And I yeah. don't get upset about this at all because I understand I'm there for a part of the journey. And at some point, yeah. you know, someone big is going to uh, pick them up and they, they will have a big marketing department that will want to take a lot of this stuff in-house. So that's that's a great outcome. That's what we're shooting for, right? So the trick is to have a bunch of them that you can work with at a time. So that back then it was just me. You know, I didn't have a team. So when I get fired, I'm like, well, gee, that's not very good, you know? Right, you right. You did a good job, you know? <laughs> you, I mean, you, I mean think, think of all the sacrifices that you made, though. I mean, uh, Alex, now being fired and all that other stuff and still having that attitude to go on. What kind of lessons did you get out of all of that, Alex? Oh, plenty, plenty. First of all, you, you cannot have all your eggs in one basket, right? Mm -hmm. Secondly, like it actually helps to have a team around you. That, that was the inception of ClickMakers. I was kind of okay. I, I, I don't want to say I was great. I, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but I was okay, um, and I was okay in multiple departments. I was able to juggle a bunch of different balls and spin a bunch of places at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you replace uh, your okay skill with someone's amazing talent, then things just open up and explode. You know, and, that, and this wow. is oh wow. So so when I realized I I need to have a bunch of clients that that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy doing strategy. I enjoy talking about, you know, big picture stuff, not doing the actual marketing work. I could do it, mm -hmm. I just didn't enjoy it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I realized I can find people way smarter than me, way more capable than me. 
to do all those different jobs. Um, and that's pretty much how it happened. You know, just gradually, we just I started uh, hiring people and we yeah. grew. Uh, so we've grown like a pretty amazing clip like in the last three years that like we've grown over hundred percent every, every year, like basically double oh, man, that's, revenue. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. awesome. It now, is, yeah. now, you know, especially you, you and I talked about this before the call, before we actually started up now. And I, I want to, I want to jump back into that, that history lesson on how you got to where you are now, but th there's so many things happening right now in marketing. You have all of the AI talk. I mean, every blog or every LinkedIn post I see, it's something about AI or chat GPT and CRMs. I mean, what is your thought? I mean, I know I have my thoughts on, on AI, but what does AI mean? Let's talk about to marketing right now. What does yeah. AI mean to marketing right now? It means a lot of things. We've been dealing with AI as media bias. We've been dealing with some version of machine learning. I don't want to call it AI yet. Right. Let's call it machine learning. That I think that's a more appropriate term for what we're dealing with right now. Okay. I'm sure it, the real AI is somewhere in the near future. It's probably around the corner. We'll get there soon. But we've been dealing with some version of machine learning since about 2016. Uh, you know, when Google introduced smart bidding, Google calls everything that is automated, mm -hmm, right. we call it smart. We mm -hmm. like to add not so in front, but <laughs> that's what Google calls it. So Google yeah. automated bidding first, then there was targeting, and, and then there was, um, there was the actual ad creatives that Google is automating using uh, machine learning. And then all other ad networks, they're following in the same direction. They're doing similar things. Facebook has their, their version of machine learning. Pinterest yeah. has their version of machine learning. All the programmatic tools, DSPs have their own machine learning built into the platforms. So we've been working with some version of machine learning for a long time. This is not new. What's okay. new is how many more things we can do with it now. Now that ChatGPT is out or GPT-4 just came out, um, there's so many creative tasks that can be automated. There's so much research that can be automated. Like we be we're becoming way more productive as marketers. So right. uh, I liken it to the introduction of a tractor to agriculture 100 years absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or the calculator. Right. So, <laughs> well, look, yeah, the calculator yeah. that you, you, they it took like, hundreds of people with cal before calculators, hundreds of people with uh, rulers and you know pencils to calculate mm -hmm. how to get uh, you know to the moon. Mm -hmm. um, like, you, like I, I remember, so they, they, they have the rocket garden in, in uh, Cape Canaveral, right? So when you go there, you look like this there's a shuttle. Um, you, you can walk into your shuttle, you can see it's a computer. Well, this computer runs on, uh, it was before the invention, no, I think transistor was invented by them. Uh, but um, basically this thing is like, it's dumber than, I'm trying, it's dumber than your refrigerator. Today. Yeah, it, it right, needs a human. It's just amazing. And in this technology was able to fly into outer space and do all these amazing things. Um, it, it is pretty amazing. But the point is that um, there's this 
this quantitative change in efficiency and speed mm-hmm. in the amount of calculations we can do. And, but there's also a qualitative change now because mm-hmm. this, this quantitative changes, they amount to something, this emergent properties of this change that um, we, we're not even capable of predicting. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen, what's going to look like. Like we all thought that when robots appear, they will just, you know, they will be around us sweeping floors and making breakfast for us, <laughs> scramble eggs, you know. The, the, the Jetsons, like the cartoon, the Jetsons. The Jetsons. That's what yeah. we thought was going was gonna to happen. Instead, they came, the robots came for our creative jobs, right? Uh, but it is, it is the basic mechanical, not very creative types of jobs that are being wiped out. Mm-hmm. It's much like, again, going back to the introduction of the tribes to agriculture. You had thousands and thousands. There was like 95% of the population was engaged in some form of agriculture, was, was engaged in growing food. Right. You know, back, back a couple of centuries ago. You introduce a tractor. You don't need as many people to walk behind as many oxes or as many cows or horses plowing the field. Yep. Um, now you didn't. You didn't. You couldn't just forget about how to grow food all of a sudden, right? You still have to know when to plant. Yes. How to how to you know treat it? How to treat the? Uh, um, how to aerate it? How to fertilize it? how to weed it and all this kind of stuff. You still mm-hmm. have to know all this stuff, but now you also need to know how to change the tire and how to fix the clutch and, and all this other tractor maintenance stuff that you didn't need to know about before. So mm-hmm. again, putting you back in the time capsule and moving you back into today, we as marketers, now we need to understand how to be a little bit like data scientists. We need to understand how to be a little bit like data engineers. Interesting. We need to understand how to connect all these Frankenstein monsters of websites and make the data go from point A to point B to point C to point Z. Yep. Because this is what this is the food for the AI is going to do the job for you now. You need to train it, uh, you, and, and you train it like um, like a feral animal. You know, you you. Um, in machine learning, it's called reinforcement learning, right? And, and, and it's like dog training. You know, you get a puppy in the house and you want this puppy to crap outside, not on the carpet in the living room, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what we do as marketers is, uh, is a little bit outdated because a lot of things that we do in, in digital marketing uh, got passed to us from the days of direct mail and, you know, print advertising. Right. And... and for a while, like for about 15 years, it's been, it's been okay. Like it, it, you could take those old practices and just transfer them over to this new medium, and that would more or less work. Until, mm-hmm. until we delegated the important job of bidding, because each ad impression is an auction. It's a real-time auction, and um, like we used to make these decisions about how much each auction or each um, um, set of auctions would be worth to us. Like mm-hmm. we would decide this audience on this device for this keyword, um, you know, is worth this much to us. So if someone's looking right. for this on on the computer, it's worth like maybe two bucks an impression. And if it's on the phone, it's only worth a buck. 
and the right like like key like keyword planning you know yeah, like exactly. when you so when you you're doing it ahead of time you set the parameters you launch this thing and you let it run and you get the feedback you just launched again right so you go through the cycle that changed with the introduction of smart bidding like i mentioned that about 10 well not about eight years ago we 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 got introduced to the first version of machine learning in our profession, which is smart bidding. So, so that means that we're delegating the job of adjusting the bid, deciding how much to bid on this impression mm -hmm. to the computer, to the machine, the robot, if you will. And the computer makes this decision in those milliseconds as the web page is loading on the user's device. Right? right. So the page is loading. There's a bunch of auctions going on behind the scenes. The machine is deciding who to bring into this auction, gets to enter the room where they raise their sign and say, hey, I'm willing to bid $3 on this impression. So decides who to invite, and then who gets who gets to show up. If you win this auction, your ad is shown, right? And that is based on literally thousands of signals. It's not just a set. Um, of fixed variables that, that have been predefined, premeditated, uh, pre-configured in the boardroom, these signals happen right there inside the auctions in those milliseconds. So yeah. me sitting at my home on my desktop, getting this ad is a different value, represents different, a different value to an advertiser than the same person, me, Standing in line at the 7-Eleven, trying to pay for my gas. Correct. I'm just killing time there, right, on my phone. And I'm seeing Correct. the same ad for the same offer. It's the same me, same demographics, same exact person. But now, in that context, I represent a different value. So, so all these parameters, those are called signals. And the ad network has access to thousands of those signals that we, as human media buyers, do not get to see at all. Like mm -hmm. those... Signals yeah, because, available inside uh, this function. We're using instinct and our experience to be able to make the decision while you know the computer has those variables, like you said, we don't see and we can't but, see. But also we cannot be sitting there in those milliseconds. We not cannot be inside the auction. Right. So that that that's a pretty major paradigm shift in the way we run advertising compared to the days of direct mail and printouts. Right. You don't, you don't make decisions in bulk anymore. Each auction is individualized and customized based on those many signals. So what we do then is we need to train. So basically have an army of robots going in into those auctions and bidding on your behalf, raising those signs. Hey, I want this. I want this impression. Give me this impression. Yeah. We need to train this army of robots to go into those auctions and make good decisions for us. Mm. So the question is, how do we train those things now? Right? It's not just, hey, we want to buy these auctions. We're going to go to these auctions. Yeah. You, you don't get to go there. Your robots get to go there. So you have to train them. Right? So going back to the metaphor of the, of the puppy in the house, what we do as media buyers these days, especially when it comes to lead generation, Mm -hmm. um, so you have someone fill out the form or place a phone call and then a sale will happen maybe you know days or weeks or months sometimes years later 
So how do you know the value of this lead? So back from the direct mail days, we would say, well, we're going to mail this demographic segment. It's going to cost us $10,000, just using round numbers, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to receive 100 responses, right? So, so that each response is 100 bucks. So those are leads, right? We're going to make uh, some sales, right? So let's say we spend $10,000, we made $20,000 in revenue. So each, each lead is worth about $200, $200 to us. We just average it out. Right, right. Logical, right? The problem is that's not exactly true. There's out of, one, out of those 100 leads we've got, there's one lead that's worth $20,000 to us yeah. and 99 that are worth exactly zero. Yes. Or, or a negative amount, right? The problem yeah. is we can't tell which one is which until you sit we through. Revenue. We made a bank, right? Yeah. So when things are constant, when each auction is more or less the same, when you don't get to, like, I mean, the postal stamp is going to cost you the same amount of money. Like back in the day, I don't know how much postal stamp was, 30 cents Let's maybe? Like 30 cents back then. You, you could buy a whole book. Back then, so, for four so bucks. Each, yeah. each auction, each impression is is going to cost us thirty cents, regardless, right? We, we don't get to say, well, this postal code we're gonna like we'll have to pay thirty bucks per, and this mm -hmm. neighborhood when we're gonna get to pay you know three cents. That doesn't happen in the physical, you know, like in, in the direct mail medium world. Yeah, yeah. Transition transfer it over to the digital world we're in right now. And this auction is different value based on, like each impression is a different value. So now uh, you can't just say, well, each, we don't care which lead we get, the cold leads are mm -hmm. worth 200 bucks to us. Right. Because if you do, what happens is Google or Facebook or Twitter ads, like Reddit ads, they all more or less use a similar algorithm. They will use the path of least resistance. They will say, "Hey, I like he he liked this lead I gave him, but this lead came from the cheap auction." Like instead mm -hmm. of going into the, the expensive, high intent, high value auction, which is very hard to win, mm -hmm. I can just go into a bunch of cheap auctions with right. a bunch we'll of. Give, we'll give them the remnant. But, we'll give them the remnant yeah. stuff. But yeah. let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. I mean, you make up. You bring up a great point, but you know since Google, you know, we're speaking, let's just use Google, for example. Um, like they started launching the, the LSAs, the local service ads to possibly help combat some of that, where uh, people are like, you know, now Google saying like, okay, you only pay for what is a lead versus getting the remnant inventory or the cheap click, let's call it the cheap click, you know? Uh, what you know, this is some form of the machine learning, and we're not off the AI topic yet, but this is some form of machine learning. Do you feel this is what inspired Google to say, you know, let's create another avenue, the Google local, local service ads, where we guarantee these visits, you know, we guarantee these vendors that we're serving because we inspect them, look at their insurance documents, and so on and so forth. So, we're going to serve these people as the cream of the crop to get the leads? Uh, there's so many directions we could go in here, but mm -hmm. here's, here's what's going on here. 
um, and, and it's going across all media networks that all mature media networks and Google is mm -hmm. becoming increasingly more mature like every yes every year yes. passing. yeah and and the point is that each market well then Kennedy has a great line he says the world doesn't need another restaurant <laughs> or the world doesn't need another consultant the world doesn't need another X right so Google is capitalizing on that phrase, if you will, mm -hmm. by essentially skewing the marketplace towards just a few bigger players. It's going to mm -hmm. suck being a small fry increasingly more as the time goes on, mm. um, unless, unless you find other ways of advertising, because um, all these marketplaces become increasingly efficient. And when they become increasingly efficient, the Pareto principle kicks in. And then and it becomes a self-fulfilling, uh, self-spelling yes. uh, feedback loop, right? So you, you just put player, your credit card. You just put your credit card in, and it goes. Yeah. So basically, the bulk of business will go towards one player, one one big company that has a lot of reviews. Uh, one company has been on this network for a while. Um, maybe not one company. Maybe three or four or five. Uh, but good, good luck launching a new business with this approach, right? Good, good luck uh, carving your own niche uh, un, under the sun like when, when there's already, already established players mm -hmm. um, on, a, on a network like Google. So uh, Google is making it super easy for someone to launch an ad and get some business. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, in an established marketplace with established dominating players, like you're probably not going to get very many impressions or very many phone calls. It's probably not going to, like it's going to work for a few big advertisers. And, mm -hmm. and all Google cares about is, well, two things. They obviously care about the stock price, um, which is a function of revenue and a function of user experience. So yes. they, they don't yes. care about advertisers. We're not customers of Google. Like we're spending money, like we're giving our money to Google, but we're not customers on their eyes. The customer is someone who's clicking on the ads. And they, mm -hmm. Google makes sure uh, that they minimize the legal risk. They're pretty much a company run by lawyers at this point. Mm -hmm. um, they, they need to minimize compliance risk uh, and they need to maximize the, um, the, 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 the experience for the user, someone who's yeah. using the website. They get yeah. you an okay offer. Google doesn't care if it's the best offer but it has to be okay because it's yeah, safe. They, yeah, they can't, they can't concern themselves with if it's the best offer. Hey, it's Eric here from VIP Marketing and I wanna ask you digital marketers something. Are you frustrated with your current PPC marketing campaigns? Well, I wanna tell you about a tool that we use here at our agency. It's called Optimizer. You have the ability to get your reports up to date and make sure that you get alerts on them. You can even work into workflows as well. So if you're frustrated with your campaigns right now and the reporting systems that you use, I want to give you a 14-day free trial of Optimizer. Go to optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. So what, what I want to do now is I want to tell those folks um, who may be just jumping in, you know, that jump into this podcast right now. Uh, Alex and I are having a great conversation and this part led off to uh, machine learning, you know, you know, we, we call it AI, which is more, you know, at the forefront of people's mind, but also machine learning 
and some of the history of machine learning and where it is now and where it's taking us. Um, Alex, I want to ask you this question because we, we start off talking about AI or machine learning. Do you foresee it, uh, you know, with all the chat GPT and, the, and all the other machine learning as, as this increases and gets better? And you and I know next month it could be chat GPT five, six or seven that comes out. It's just moving that fast. Um, I saw something where it, there was a headline that said uh, Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak wants uh, to slow down the ability to making, you know, more versions of like a chat GPT. So will this change employment? Because remember, like oh. even in your even in your struggles when you were coming up now with all this technology, will it change employment and where will these people go? For sure. Uh, it will change the deployment. Uh, again, going back to the introduction of attracted to vulture, where did all these people go? Mm. If, in 2019, I attended a meetup in San Francisco organized by Google. And it mm -hmm. was, uh, the focus was agriculture and the mm -hmm. focus was machine learning, AI, and all this stuff. There were people like who came from like advisors to presidents. So there was one person who was uh, an advisor to Obama. You know, when, when Obama was in, in the White House, um, there, were, there were people innovating in different ways, mm -hmm. uh, taking over um, former military hangars and just growing food inside and people growing, taking over large fields and doing, um, you know, uni crop, but, like, but automating a lot of things with robots and machine learning yeah. mm -hmm. and, and people who were doing permaculture type stuff which is the opposite, you know, moving away from monocrop stuff and also doing a lot of things with machine learning. It was like, it was a crazy insightful thing, but the point was that at that time, again, we we're talking pre-COVID, there mm -hmm. were less than 5% of population engaged in agriculture, with mm. just a hundred years prior to that, the number was close to 90%. And what they were expecting to happen in the coming five years, again, we're talking four years ago from today. Mm -hmm. So in five years from then, they were expecting this number to be reduced by, I can't remember exactly, but it's not like to drop another 50%. So to, mm -hmm. to be reduced in half because of all the automation, all the other things. It's happening across all industries. Uh, it's happening in the marketing. If we didn't, we thought yeah. marketing was gonna be safe, for a while, you know, we've been, oh man, but it's the first one that's been disrupted. I, um, I, I got a, I got a buddy who is, um, he had an ad agency. I mean, he's been in advertising seventies, eighties, nineties, retired early two thousands. And he said, Eric, you know what? He said, I feel really bad for you guys. And I said, what? I said, why? And he said, when I was marketing and when I had my agency, we only had to worry about radio, TV, and newspaper. Now you guys have so much more to think about and to worry about. He said, so you guys can have that. And, and he says, you know, now he says, uh, some of these discussions that are happening now, he said, I can only talk about my instinct from working with people. Then he said, I don't even understand all the stuff that's happening now. And he said, but, I'm not, I'm not going to try, you know, that, that skill is going to be much more valuable in, in coming years. Like your yes. instinct, your ability to talk, Human wow. to human, mano a mano. Wow. That is something that computers are not going to be able to replace. Tell, um, tell me what. Tell, tell the audience authenticity, why. That's, authenticity, that's, that's you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's big. That's, uh, talk talk about that more. I want I want to hear more about that, Alex. I am I am excited about what's coming. I saw those this headline about Woz and Musk and all those guys Musk. saying, "Hey, put put a stop. It's going too fast." I I don't know where I stand on this yet. Um, mm -hmm. They are way smarter than me. I yeah. I am like when they're concerned, it makes me concerned. However. I think the genie's out the bottle. I don't think we're going to be able to put him back in. No. Like if we if we stop, you know, some I don't know, Colombian cartels will do some version of AI or Russian, the Russians or the Chinese or someone. Okay. I mean, we we can we can just stop up progress, but someone else will continue. Yeah. So the genie's out the bottle. Like we we've, we've seen the future. Like we it was like in November when GPT, a chat GPT got released. Yeah, us. Look that fast. Like, we were in shock. Like we just saw the future all of a sudden. Yeah, Elon and other people have been talking about this, and like, yeah, 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 interesting, but whatever, right? November of last year, this thing comes out, and we're like, holy crap, this thing's yeah. real, right? So yeah. we saw the future, and millions of people saw the future, and someone else is gonna, some kid is gonna work on some open source version of. AI and train it on the current data. It's not going to cut it off at the end of 2021. No, it's going to connect it to the internet and release uh, release this it, thing out it, in a while. It's going to be. It's going to be. Or it's going to get to a point where it's going to be within the year and then real time. Yeah. But you know, I, I think, uh, you, like you said, the genie's out of the bottle, man. This is a great topic too because I think the rate of which the creation is happening is faster than the learning curve right now that people can take on. You know. Um, and so it, it's very hard to say that you just want to stop right now and, and, and just don't create anymore because now, I mean, that the learning curve will never catch up. The population can't get as old as fast or learn as fast as it's being created. You know, you're going to have this well, huge separation. Like where you said, there's going to yeah. be a huge separation where there are going to be people in the middle. Like you said, it's going to be very valuable. And those people are going to have instinct that can actually couple with the new age things and the things from, you know, yesteryear. I mean, I, I don't know what that future is going to look like, but the future is near. I, I feel it's coming on fast. Mm -hmm. We, when we, you talk about merchant properties, you can feel that they're happening. You can't really predict which way they're going to go. It's like no one could predict, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, drive through, ATM machines and, yep. and uh, drive through fast food just because they were cars all of a sudden or because the America so, built the exactly. system of interstate highways, right? Um, those emerging properties that no one could predict, right? It just happened and all of a sudden our life is different. Yeah. But we found a way that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not regretting having all these new things in our lives. Those are conveniences, right? We like conveniences. There's going to be a bunch of conveniences coming from this as well. We we will become way more creative. This mundane, mechanical, boring stuff we won't get to do anymore. Yeah, uh, I agree with that you. That will that will be replaced by the machines. We will have to focus on the things that only we uniquely as humans can do. Mm -hmm. You know, having a conversation like this, you and I, one on one, mm -hmm. that's going to be more valuable in the coming days. Then uh, you know, just a generic 
text article generated by because you don't know who, who wrote it. Oh, you man. don't know if it was written by a person or, or AI. AI, it, exactly. It's, it's going to change things. It's going to it's going to change relationships. There was an there was something in Time Magazine. This was back in two thousand. I want to say two thousand eight. Date myself a little bit. And, and and it spoke about how relationships will change, and it will say it said like people will be more comfortable with digital relationships than they will with face to face relationships, and awesome. a lot of these things are are actually coming true now. You know, um, I've you know for example, I, I've met people around the world, around the world, uh, you know, on a podcast, and we've built relationships, and then when you finally get to meet them, it's like oh my gosh. Yeah, I had one person I worked with for seven years and we finally saw each other at a summit and it was like, oh man, man, this is what you look like. Or now this is what you feel like, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I think it's, you know, that day and age, um, like you said, it's, it's going to, it's going to happen so fast, but I never want to lose the value of having a conversation like this, you know? Um, there's just too many things that kind of just come into play. How, and, how do you... Way, thanks to technology, you and I are able to connect this way. Yeah. I didn't have to fly to where you are. You didn't have to fly up where I am. Yeah. And hopefully eventually we'll cross a pass in IRL, as they call it these days, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, have a beverage. But, I mean, thanks to technology, I was able to jump on a call like mm -hmm. this and have a conversation. My mm -hmm. two agencies, the Google Ads agency and the data agency, Measurement, Mm -hmm. are 100% remote teams. We have team across all the time zones in the US. We have team in, in Europe and in India. My co-founder for Measurebit is, in, is from New Zealand. Uh, stuff like this. Yeah. Like it's just like most of our guys have not met each other in real life. Like they've mm -hmm. been working together for years mm -hmm. and are able to have a working relationships with each other. But most of them have never seen each other in real life. Yeah. No, like, no, I'm, no. I, I get it. Uh, what now? How are you? I mean, you got MeasureBit and you got uh, you know ClickMakers, right? You know, MeasureBit's more yeah. of the does more of the data and the research. ClickMakers click is more of the Google side of things. So now, uh, you know, everyone says that they are a results-driven agency. Everyone says that, but you actually have like these three C's that I want you to kind of expand on. And your three C's are like uh, clarity, confidence, and cash flow which are really important. So if you could, I mean, expand on those and why Why those three C's, why are they so important? Well, because you need, um, well, first of all, we we study a lot. We spend a big chunk of our profits goes towards reinvesting back in our personal development. Not, not just the woo-woo stuff, but the actual knowledge of platforms because the platforms are evolving so quickly mm -hmm. you know google has implemented so many changes this facebook has been changing things everything mm -hmm. has been changing like all this data stuff coming at us very fast so we set aside time and money for guys to actually learn new things launch new experiments try things out um a lot of our guys learned to run traffic by spending their own money. Like I told you my story, you know, how I learned PPC by spending my own money, buying my own ads. Yeah. Like a lot of my guys have a similar story in their past. Like they tried to launch an agency, maybe they got it to a certain size and, you know, maybe they launched a, an e-com brand and it, it worked to a degree, but mm -hmm. they got tired of it and they decided to join 
uh, my team, but, but they, or maybe they ran some affiliate deals. So a lot of them spent their own money to learn how to run traffic. And, and that is a skill that you cannot, um, you cannot just acquire a skill like this by attending a course or reading a book. So that, that's super valuable. So that's where the confidence comes from. The clarity about numbers, we, like a lot of my guys are, have engineering degrees of different kinds uh, and they live in great data. So we understand data. The first thing we check is conversion tracking. First thing, yeah. second thing when I check is at which data points are using are being used for the training of the pixel and the optimizations. Mm -hmm. like and, and if those things make sense, like even before getting to a campaign structure and keywords and all this kind of stuff, this is the first thing we check, like starting from the data. That's that's the more the clarity side of what you do when it yeah. comes into your three C's. Tell me about the confidence side and what you're doing. Is that coming from you, like you said, reinvesting in your people? Because yeah, I know I, I know I what, what we do with our teams is we we make sure that everyone's certified on the latest and greatest. And because I want us to be constantly educated, because you'll find that they have a lot of confidence when they have to present or perform, right? So, I mean, tell me about your your confidence level for your people and how you reinvest in them. So there's several components to it. One of them is uh, a concept called pairing, uh, which comes from uh, the agile method of software development. Mm -hmm. We have two people, one keyboard, one screen. Uh, so they're working together on one piece of code, right? Because that's, that's the, so you kind of shadow each other Right. Hmm. So one person is typing, the other one's commenting, you know, just having a dialogue with the other one. Yeah. Um, it seems like a, a very inefficient way to write software, but mm -hmm. it turns out this is the fastest way to develop software. Uh, well, you, you almost have the, two sets of, you have two sets of eyes on it, right? Totally. And yeah. two brains and, and, and the synergies and two brains is better than just one brain plus one brain. And, it's it's more like five brains because now you have the conversation, you're catching each other's bugs and you're questioning like one one is going in one direction, but you asking a few questions. Mm -hmm. like, have you considered this, this, and that, right? Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, it, I guess it's in a way it's similar to apprenticeship, the old like the old concept of apprenticeship when you had a craftsman, you know, and you had a young apprentice working with with him. But this is less of a, you know, uh, a leader versus follower kind of thing. It's more of a, like two people with equal sets of skills uh, or, or equally good sets of skills and, and the comparable experience um, working on the same account. It doesn't happen all the time. Like I don't, I don't want to sound like this is the only way we do it, but we create yeah. opportunities for them to, to work together like this. And this is how they learn from each other. Like I very often, like I'm, I'm in, I'm in uh, media buying forums and some, some person will show up and he'll, he'll say, well, I'm pretty experienced, you know, I'm, my company, like I'm spending a million dollars a month on my ads. How do I get more advanced than I am already? Like what course do I buy? There's no course for you to yeah. buy anymore. Thank you. Like, like there's no book for you to read that will make yeah. you a better media buyer anymore. Uh, they want, uh, they want ads for dummies. <laughs> you know right <laughs> that is there's, a market for there's a market for yeah google ads for dummies there's a market for that there's no yeah. market for you know how to become a you know super ninja google ads jockey mm -hmm. um there's no 
there's no market for that course. No one's going to build it. So mm. how do you gain this knowledge, right? Well, I befriend other agency guys, people who have started to run the same. Yeah, I bring them on. Like we, they come to my agency, talk to my management team and my guys, on my media bias. We talk to their guys. Like we exchange things. Like we, they're competitors. Yes, we work together because we. That's I, the only I way for that. us to learn. I love that. I, I love that idea. I, I have a kind of relationship with someone like that, even in our own hometown. You know, we could compete against one another if we wanted to, but at the end, we're not because the client should win. You know, so, but the way we do it is like, you know, we would share things, uh, you know, because we want each other to win. You know, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, now, let's talk about the last C that you had cash flow. Let's talk about that part. It's, about, it's all about the economics, right? Everything has to make sense economically because that that's at the center of what we do. Like our mm-hmm. job is so important to the... The cash flow is the lifeblood of the business. Like we yeah. have to understand the numbers, the numbers that we invest, plus our agency fees that the, agency, that the client is paying us. Mm-hmm. And all this backs out into the financial objective that the business has. Like we, we're not going for impressions. We're not going for, I don't know, some vanity metric. Yeah. Like, you know, th- yeah. there's, there's plenty of okay. vanity metrics. Like we, we, we performance agency, we run performance campaigns. So everything has to, like, you have to be able to build a financial model of the business, plug mm-hmm. in your numbers. And these numbers need to back out into something that makes long-term sense to this client, to their growth and their mm-hmm. financial well-being. What do you think about? Uh, we covered a lot of stuff, and and and, and I, I want to ask you this: the madman days of having agency people with you know three hundred people in the building. Nowadays, you know, with technology talent talent pool not just in your own city but around the world because i think we both do that i made this statement um uh a while ago and i said if agencies don't change they will die and what i mean by that is if they don't change their thinking change their ways that it's not about hey i brought clicks to your website people want to know what who converted you know Long, I feel like long gone are the days of having 300 people in the building now. Now you can almost get it done like Navy SEALs by having 20 people and have a very efficient and effective agency. Um, those are my thoughts. I could be wrong. That's my opinion. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Alex. I agree with you. But again, going back to the tractor metaphor, right? In agriculture, mm-hmm. you can plow so much more land with way fewer people like you don't need hundreds of people to plow this you know this acreage anymore you can just have two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like instead of 200 mm-hmm. so so that is a very good metaphor for what's going on in our industry we are becoming way more efficient mm-hmm. my model of um of a media buying agency is um i call it a barbell uh, like if you're familiar with uh, Nicholas uh, Taleb um, work, 
books like Anti-Fragile and Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Like he has, uh, he has the barbell model of investing, investing, right? As opposed mm-hmm. to diversifying and spreading everything like equally, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. He says, no, this is wrong. Like he, your investment strategy should look more like a barbell, meaning you have a bunch of stuff and low risk, um, high probability of getting your money back. So it's very low risk, mm-hmm. but it's not going to low risk, low return. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the bulk. Right. Then you have very little in the middle and then high risk, high reward. So you have the barbell. You have a bunch here, a bunch here, and very little yeah. in the middle. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the barbell model of a media buying agency for the future is you have creative, you have actual account jockeying, like a running ads, like what we do, and data. All wow. the data integration, data science stuff, right? So the data is becoming super important. The creative stuff is becoming super important. Oh my gosh, Alex, man, we let's get on a plane. Let's meet right now. <laughs> let's meet right now, Alex. Let's meet right now. I mean, you're speaking my language, man. Go back into that barbell because I, I think you have it. And I, I've told people before, like that creative is going to be so important. And then you couple that with that data. Oh my gosh, they love you after that point. Oh man, what what a, what a great that's what the a, only way to succeed. Like, yeah, really. Like, and and you need the data because you need to know if your creative ideas if they're performing well, right? Because you need a, you need a way to judge its performance. You need someone, an arbiter, yeah. to tell you like this creative is better than that one. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at predicting what's gonna, like which creative is gonna win. I'm, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm the worst. Right, because we're opinionated. We think, oh, I like this one. This one may do it, and then people are like, well, let's A B test them. You know, exactly. But if you were to, like, if you were to come to ask my opinion, mm-hmm. like, you would make good money by doing the opposite of of that. I promise you that much. Like, whatever I think is gonna win, that one's gonna lose. Yep. You know. Uh, so I, I don't have an opinion. Like I, I try not to have an opinion anymore or not to volunteer my opinion, like yeah. as, as far as creatives go, but the creative is key in a lot of targeting, like with all this data privacy, um, with, um, all the things that have been obfuscated or encrypted or just, you know, made not available to us anymore. Like a lot of your targeting is going to come from the creative itself. Yeah. Because your targeting will need to necessarily will will need to become broader than what we used to have. You know, right. like right. Facebook made a revolution. Like when Facebook showed up and Facebook ads appeared, all of a sudden they created a whole bunch of new businesses that couldn't exist before Facebook. True. Because Facebook true. gave you the ability to find those tiny needles in giant haystacks. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could you could have a market of I don't know, eighty five people worldwide and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you in business, right? right. Couldn't happen right. before Facebook. That's true. Now very, that is very now very that true. is going away. That is going away because of mm. iOS 14.5 and plus, because of data privacy, privacy browsing, uh, you know, Brave browser, DuckDuckGo, uh, you know, plugins like Ghostery. All of, like this cottage industry of tiny businesses with tiny markets, they're going to have a hard time surviving. In and, and it's going to be 
resemble is going. I think I think it's going to resemble like the days of printed ads and direct mail, where you couldn't target a market of eighty-five people worldwide. Yeah, you like just you had to mass send out. Right. So so like we're kind of going a little bit in the way we're going back. Like again, history does not repeat, but it rhymes, right? Mm. I think I think the next decade in our profession is going to rhyme the madman days in in more ways than we would like to admit right now. But I think a lot of things that we will do in the next decade will be some of the statistical models that we will bring from the past, like econometrics or uh, MMM, all this stuff. Very good. Very good. Right. Like we'll, we'll, like products that have wide appeal to wider slices of other population mm-hmm. will, will only be the products that you'll be able to advertise successfully. Right. Wow. Like you, like those niche things, the tiny, niches, small needles and giant haystacks, mm-hmm. that stuff is going to be very difficult, if not completely impossible. You, so, you know um, what you, you, brought, you, you brought up Facebook just now, and um, a lot of marketers, advertisers have complained about Facebook, you know? Um, and recently I've noticed that they are making a, trying to make a huge attempt to retain advertisers and keep them you know, um, because it's not just so much of just the ad platform itself. And, you know, we talk about iOS 14 plus and all, um, and you know how, you know, the privacy matters, but it just seems like the customer service from Facebook. I mean, would you advise people now to still market through Facebook, advertise through Facebook? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. It's a great network. I mean, it's less easy than it used to be. Yeah. It's very different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Some of the businesses that used to be successful will no longer be successful. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a fantastic channel. It still works. Uh, it's just too big. I mean, it's mature. Right? Mm. It's a mature channel. Right? Hmm. Um, so think about if you were Don Draper would you work with that client? Right. So you talked about madman mad, mad yeah. days? No? Yeah. So if Don Draper would want to work with this business, mm-hmm. that's probably a good advertiser for you to work with as an agency. Right. That's right. probably a good business to launch as a, as, a, as a brand owner. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. If, Great point. Great point. Great point. I, uh, I you know, Alex, um, I, I, I think you and I, we could... We, we need to make a part two to this. Uh, okay. So we, we, we need to do that at some point because I think there's, and the reason I say that, Alex, is just uh, there's just too many things that are happening right now in the world of advertising and marketing right now where uh, everything is not one size fits all and people don't know no. the unique things that they can do. And I think we need to, I think we need to find a way to make a part two and make sure that these episodes air together because i think there's so much to be said um like you you and i both referenced the same article with with musk and wozniak you know kind of telling people to slow down and it's not there's a lot that's going to happen and i think there's a lot that currently happened and most importantly i think there's a lot of dollars being wasted in advertising right now because people are running just campaigns they're not running specific campaigns with strategy behind them. And 
I think that is something that is definitely missing now is the strategy in it. Because you can hire any agency to, to, to make you a dang Google ad. Any agency can do that. Any agency can create, uh, you know, run retargeting for you, so on and so forth. But truthfully, it's the strategy that you're paying for. Absolutely. It's the strat- strategy that you're paying for and, and also how you execute that strategy. Those things are going to be most important. And, and, I, and I, I think, you know, now um, you're, when agencies go from 300 people to 15 people or 20 people, that means there's going to probably be, be much more agencies out there. And it's going to be harder for brands to be able to choose who they work with. You know, um, the big brands like the Johnson and Johnson's, you know, they may not run to, you know, the thousand plus person agency anymore because they can find someone uh, with 30 people that can do an equally better job, less bureaucracy, yes. response time. And not so fast to execute. No. And just just as good of you know an investment, oh, okay. investment. So, um, I I think the future will belong to people like us. And uh, I think it will. Um, I, to close this conversation with uh, on a positive note, I think uh, AI is the best thing that could have happened to us at this historical juncture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a severe population decline around the world. China is crumbling. The you know, there's way more old people than there's children. Mm. Uh, the U.S. is about the only country that is not quite in this trend, but the world is getting old. Europe is getting very old. Mm. Canada, you know, it's it's everywhere. Wow. So we are going to be living in a world with a lot of old people who are out of the workforce. There's going to be very way fewer of us to provide for all these people. So we have to become way more efficient. The way agriculture transformed itself wow. you know, from, from employing 90% of the population to employing less than 5% of the population That's, going that, to that employing is the 1% of the population. Wow. That, that so, is something I want to definitely look at. So we definitely, we definitely, it seems to be happening at the right moment. Like it's just serendipitous how it's happening right now. Like when, when we just, like we've been talking about, you know, the planet overpopulating, how we can have as many people. Well, we just took, uh, you know, if you look at the demographics of most developed economies in the big countries, yeah. they're all going down, all on the way down. Wow. Um, Man. I, so we'll, that, we'll need to become way more efficient. We will need to be able to do, one person will need to be able to produce as much value as 30 people today in the near future. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. Um, Alex, man, we're, we're going to wrap this up, man. And I, I'm going to tell you, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation. It's always great to be online with another marketer, especially one I can learn from. Uh, and, and one I'm going to consider a colleague from this day forth, you know? So Alex, Absolutely. if you could, uh, tell people how to find you because you have two brands and I want people to, to know about those two brands. Um, uh, but tell them how to find you, tell them how to find you. Um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Alex Makarski, M-A-K-A-R-S-K-I. Um, Facebook as well, uh, sometimes. Uh, but um, email alex at clickmakers.io and alex at measurebit.com. So just to explain the difference between the two companies, Clickmakers is the agency that runs ads, runs ads and Clickmakers mm-hmm. is a client of Measurebit. So Measurebit is the data group that 
that works with several agencies beyond just ClickMakers and advertisers directly. So measurement has its own clients, its own team. It's all, you know, people with machine learning degrees and like data, data propeller heads who do some really complicated work of integrating different parts of websites like, so that the data flows correctly and goes where it's supposed to go and builds data warehouses using marketing data from analytics and CRM and all those other places and allows you to analyze this data and know what's going on in your business. So that's what yeah. Mishabit is about. That's right. Um, if, you, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, a lot of our conversation kind of actually blended a lot between ClickMakers and MeasureBit um, today. So, you know, Alex, I'm grateful to have you as a guest. You're welcome back anytime. Like I told you, we need to do part two because there are a lot more things that we need I'm to game. cover. I'm uh, we got to definitely Let's do that. It. And so uh, to everyone who's out there listening uh, and also it depends on how you view this, you may be listening to it or you may view it on YouTube. We want to thank you for you giving us your most valuable asset, which is your time. I want to thank my guest, Alex, for being on the line. Alex Makarski for being on the line with us. Make sure you visit his two companies and see what his brands are about. And I want to thank you guys again. And if you feel this podcast has been good to you or it can be good to a colleague or a friend of yours, please share it. I'm going to ask you to share it and also be kind enough to go on and give us a five-star review. Uh, thank you Eric, to our listeners It's been again. fun. Thank you. It's thank been you fun, man. Eric. This is the AdCast. I want to thank you all for giving us your most valuable asset, your time. And also a huge thank you to our sponsors over at Optimizer. For all of you who are running PPC campaigns and you want to see how to do it better and get better results and actually boost the performance of your campaigns and save time, get a free trial at optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. Hey guys, I'm back. I hope that you enjoyed that episode of the AdCast. If you didn't, go online, give me a review and tell me how you want us to make it better for you. And if you did, give us a five-star rating anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. But I want to thank you for your most valuable asset. That's your time. And thank you for listening. Enjoy the AdCast and stay tuned for another hot episode coming up soon.